Welcome to Esoteric America, a podcast where we tour the strange, mystical, and esoteric pathways hidden beneath the surface of America. Join Mark, Tara, Roman, Chad, and a new local researcher each episode as we dive into our country's diverse regions, states, counties, cities, towns, neighborhoods, parks, etc., leaving no stone unturned as we unravel the cult knots that tie history, culture, religion, all in with fringe elements that you may not have realized were at play in your own backyard. Here we are back again on Esoteric America. Chad, unfortunately, could not make it for this episode. But with me, as always, Tara. Tara, how are you this evening? Feeling wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. You're lovely as ever. And Roman, of course, co-host from the Rising from the Ashes podcast, recently left the continent of America and he's now on the big island. Yeah. This is interesting. You're a foreign correspondent now. What do you think of that? Mm, I love that. It's always been a dream of mine to uh, be a field a field reporter. Re- field hoarder. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> hoarding I hoard pieces of grass from random uh, eclectic fields across the across the, the sweet toroidal globe and uh, I put them in a jar and water them water the grass of life from the inner druidic tree uh inner druidic waters uh yeah no it's great out here i love it uh i actually i'm so happy because the last time i was out here i was living down um really close to the water and the thing is is like when you're at sea level it's very hot so um I've always wanted to live more up mauka as they say mauka that's m-a-u-k-a mauka um and it's more cold up here. We actually get like chilly, you know, and that's really necessary. I'm very hot blooded. Um, so I got to have a fan on my toesies while I sleep. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's all great. The thing that is being fun in the podcast realm is finding how the timing is working. Cause we're right now we're at a five hour time difference. So um, that's been an adjustment, but uh, here we are. We will prevail. Yeah, it's not bad. We might have to do, Uh, Less episodes per month, folks, on YouTube, but I promise uh, whether or not we can get everybody involved, I'm going to try to do a weekly episode with Tara Mm -hmm. and I of Esoteric America, and then, of course, yourself and Chad will join us hopefully twice a month, and maybe more if you can afford to do it, but you're you're settling into a, a new place, so we have patience, and we wish you luck on your new expedition through... Hawaii, which, you know, of course is an American state, but I like to 
think of Hawaii as a sovereign island nation of its own, you know, I mean, the at least that's how it, it should be, you know, before, before colonization, it, it was like that. As a, as a white man living here, I will say that I am in, in every ounce of my sweat and blood trying to enact that same, uh, same thing as well. Like it's, it, because of the gentrification that's happened massively, um, over the, over the, over the past decade here, um, you know, and more locals are leaving and moving to the States. Uh, it's important to try and respect the culture as much as possible and even more than respect it, right? Like understand it and ask about it and, and listen, right. And not just talk about it. Like I know what I'm talking about, but maybe, maybe point in the direction of, um, a local brethren or sister Wahine or Kane that might be able to answer questions better. Um, and so I, one thing that I love about this culture, man, is that they are, so wonderfully prideful and so wonderfully beautiful and connected to, um, to family. And it's, it's really, really nice. Uh, and you know, you won't always get aloha from every, uh, you know, from everybody all the time, but when you experience what they can call to be aloha, like a true, love loving vibration it is like it is un unmatchable and a lot of that comes and literally reverberates from the magmatic pressure of the of the volcano as well mm-hmm. it's it kind of like just like you know when people get acting up during like a full moon or something right you'll have like extra energy flowing well the the the, the magma corresponds to the energies of the inner part of earth and how earth is affected on the on the inside and so that energy gets pushed out and and exposed through magma and that in turn has literally a magnetic property on on us and anyways man it is great uh it's glad to be back i hope that you guys can make it out uh sooner rather than later tickets are surprisingly affordable right now i know like economies and shit but like plane tickets are like affordable so the travel industry is like not inflating like the groceries are uh but when you get here uh make sure that we're uh picking fruit off the trees because food is expensive out here. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Over the past two years, it has skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine that could be... Uh an issue if you live on an island but yeah i don't know you won't see me over there in hawaii anytime soon i'm not really much of a fly guy so uh i i think i'll stay to uh boat and car travel uh for now but anyways why why are you not a fly guy just tell not, me let's not get into all this the, the audience doesn't want to hear about my eccentric nature but uh <laughs> but uh, Who's this? Did you send an invite to somebody? Let us know in the comments what you guys think about uh, Mark's eccentric life. Hold on. Know about the story. Did you send an invite to somebody to this? Did I send an invite? You did. Yes, you emailed our guests that we're speaking with. Yeah, I'm just. It's just the guest has (laughs) a different name than I guess the account that they're using for zoom so i got massively confused there uh but yeah they're they're here 10 minutes early so let me uh let's get to the point and uh and and maybe i'll message jason our guest today and let him know that we'll let him in 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 10 minutes but 
Anyways, um, yeah, we're going to talk more about New Haven, Connecticut. This will most likely be our last episode uh, for this area, um, unless we have some more research that comes up that we want to add. This will be the last one. So after this, we're going to be deciding on where our next location is. And based on the listenership and and the fact that Roman has yet to present – on his home state or a place where he's lived. Uh, we're either going to be talking about uh, Washington, California, or Hawaii next month, depending on <laughs> what Roman decides he'd like to, to talk about. I have a feeling that California can be a likely candidate, but I don't know. Uh, now that you're in Hawaii, you might be swayed to do us uh, an episode on a few episodes on Hawaii. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I'm super curious what uh, what the audience actually might have to say on that because Washington, where I'm from, where I'm actually born, I was born in Port Angeles, Washington, and I have a lot to say about that state in general, having lived in Bellingham and, and grown up in Southwest Washington. Um, so, I mean, we could do any of it. It's all really interesting. Where we were at in California was fucking gold, gold rush country, weed capital, of the you know, of, of the world, Trinity County, or we can do, um, we can definitely do something out here as well. So let's see what, uh, what everybody wants. And then, yeah, we'll start diving into it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I, I love this show. It's amazing. Don't ever want to see it, uh, uh, at the wayside. I want to see it at the front side. I want to see it in the morning with my cup of coffee as I'm enjoying a sweet, subtle breeze in the trees and then down to my knees as I pray to the gods above the podcast gods, allowing us such gracious goodness to, to anyways, uh, I'm excited, well, man. What, what are we chatting about today? What do you get? What do you got some juice for us on new Haven today, sir? Don't let me hold on. Don't try to move away from what you just <laughs> said and did there. I'm just going to say, thank goodness. That's a part of your esoteric America. Cause it's <laughs> hidden to the rest of us. We don't need to, to, we don't need to look in Roman's private life. Uh, at least based on that <laughs> poem you just gave us. But <laughs> anyways, we're going to be talking about Connecticut where Tara and I call home and, uh, yeah, we got a bunch of info. We got a bunch of research. And while we were talking about some of that research, this gentleman, uh, Jason, reached out and said he lives nearby and wants to participate. So we're going to have Jason in here in a second to bring up more about this P.T. Barnum character that kind of fits into the whole World's Fair mysteries. He, you know, has his sort of fingerprint on some cryptids that ended up being hoaxes. Who knows? Maybe he you know, created some legends himself that are still alive to this day. I wonder. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm excited to talk to Jason. And then afterwards we're going to, uh, talk a little bit more about new Haven because I've been alluding to that a bunch. And I think people want to see uh, all of that. So anyways, let's get into it. What do you think, Roman? You want to let Jason in here? Tara, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Let him in, man. Yeah. Tara, what do you think? Yes. Nice. Open the doors. Open it up. 
right. let the man in, let him free. Right. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I hope we get to talk about tonight, like you brought up the cryptids, because uh, in, in uh, Seaside, Oregon, where it's close to, um, it's right on the border of Oregon and Washington, they have this thing called Jake the Alligator Man. It's like half alligator and half man. And it's like there's really interesting time period in history where that we were like literally creating fake animals and, and uh, like telling people that they were real so we could sell entertainment to them. Like, look what, look what we found. Oh, we found a skeleton of an alligator and a man and it's real. You're like, okay, all right, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, and it just ends up being a puppet side to the back end of a crocodile or an alligator. <laughs> yeah. Cruelty. That's animal cruelty. <laughs> Let's let Jason in. Recording in progress. We're back, and with us is Jason for the first time here on Esoteric America, joining us to talk about a place that he also calls home, this great state of Connecticut. We're going to be talking about uh, a strange figure that Roman gave us a sort of 101 intro on in a previous episode, uh, this character named P.T. Barnum. So what do you think? Tara, Roman, any any thoughts on P.T. Barnum before we get into this presentation? No, man, I'm excited to uh, to see what uh, he has he has coming on for us, dude. Uh, thank you for putting this together. We much appreciate it. This is our original intent for Esoteric America was to get on uh, people from across the country to get inspired to look into things and from their town. So thank you, brother. I'm really uh, stoked to see what you got. Yeah, Jason, thank you so much, man. We I should say Jason, uh, like I said, is from Connecticut, reached out, said he had a, some information he wanted to share, and was kind enough to put it together in a Canva presentation. Uh, but before we get to that, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. You, you're, right now you're living in New York City. What, what do you do for work, and like, what got you interested in all these weird topics? Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, right now I'm actually doing, uh, I'm doing Uber Eats delivery out here. Right Got on. a bike. So uh, keep busy doing that. Keep in, keep in shape, you know, right but uh, so yeah, I mean, I've been listening to your podcast for a few months, like we, like I was just saying, and uh, 
you know, just kind of inspired me, I guess, to look into, you know, things, things around me, things, things that I know, things, names that I know, places that I know, stuff like that. So yeah, just uh, really interesting. Not too much of an introduction, but no, that's you know, fine, I'm glad man. to be on. I'm a big fan of the show. So thank you. Yeah. I imagine with a job like that, you get plenty of time to tune in to podcasts. That's for sure. Cool. For sure. Right on. Well, let's get into it. Share your screen. Let's talk cool. about PT Barnum. Because for folks who don't know, he was born in uh, Bethel, Connecticut, yeah. and became famous yeah. across the nation and even worldwide. Uh, you know, Barnum and Bailey Circus it has his name included in it. And uh, yeah, anyone who's seen circuses. anyone who's seen a lion tamer or you know elephants doing tricks and seals doing tricks, I mean, this is a guy. He created a lot of that stuff. So. So, Mark, I'm on a share screen here. It's still grayed out. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Let us not forget about the freak shows. Yeah, there's, there's a lot oh, with him. I, I, I didn't <laughs> touch too much on, uh, you know, the more, I guess, the more known things about him, like the uh, the, the Barnum and... Because the, the thing is with the Barnum and Bailey Circus, that kind of happened after he was, you know, after he had passed away. A lot of the success of the, that circus was more in the, you know, 1900s and you know, closer to our time where, whereas a lot of, I kind of touched a lot of more stuff that was uh, going on in his life, you know, while he was walking the earth. Mm. But yeah, I'm not seeing uh, a way be able to, to, do to I'm kind of a noob to this too. So I, it's, it's, right. it's there. I see the, uh, when you click see, it, does anything come up? Is there any screen that popped up that, uh, no, it, it's like grayed out. It's not allowing me to, to click it, to like click it. Yeah. Huh, Maybe if I, yeah. Yeah, I, I have uh, all the permissions allotted so that you're able to share your screen. So maybe there's yeah, so a, something you got to saw that you gave me a co-host or what, what, what was it? But uh, hmm. you can send me the link in the chat to the yeah, YouTube, uh, and uh, or share, it and then might be able to. Uh, we're not live either, so don't worry. You're not. You don't need to rush. We gotcha, can always gotcha. edit this out too. Cool, cool. Uh, let me ask, babe. Do you know? I'm trying to like share my screen, but it's it's grayed out here. You see, I don't, I don't know. Uh, like I'm trying to share a screen on Zoom, okay. you know, and it's it's not allowing me to to click. Yeah. Because it's recording. Yeah, yeah, we're on. Well, we're on like the. Uh, oh, running. we're on hiatus. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Sorry for this, guys. Recording stopped. Oh, I see down here. Okay. Oh, okay. I was looking at the wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got it now. Got Sorry. It. Yeah, I was looking in the wrong window. I'm not. Desktop. Which I think you're on it. Uh, so you I just want to. Yeah, let me here. do desktop just so I can, in case I have to switch over. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So do Recording you want to in up? progress. Cool. Right on. All, All right. right. We got know. the we got the PT Barnum screen. We, right, we, we see go. it. It's full screen. It looks beautiful. Right. Uh, is go. there any way you can minimize the little uh yeah, this thing go. here? Yeah. Gotcha. All right, cool. All right. So let's get All into right. it. Born in Bethel C T. Yes. And yes, let me ask you this before we go any further. You you were tuning into the show. 
Um, what made you look into P.T. Barnum uh, in particular? Because I remember it was synchronistic. Roman brought him up mm-hmm. without knowing that you had sent me that email. Yeah, yeah. And I was surprised. I'm like, oh, wow, this guy just told me he was looking into P.T. Barnum. So mm-hmm. what, what first turned you into to looking onto, onto P.T. Barnum? Uh, well, in my lifetime, uh, I actually, so I grew up in Danbury, Connecticut, which is one town over, or it's Danbury is a city and Bethel is a town, I believe. So yeah. it's, it's, they share a, a line yeah, and where I actually grew up was two minutes from the Bethel downtown where they have a street called PT Barnum way or PT Barnum, uh, something or other. I forget the exact uh, name of the street, but, uh, so I've known about PT Barnum just having grown up, you know, down the street from a place called PT Barnum square before I even knew, you know, probably who he was at the time. And so just in my life, like that's kind of how I was introduced to him as, as PT Barnum. And then, you know, it's kind of when I, I think probably at some point, you know, I, I was watching your show and, and again, you inspired me to look into places around me. So I did some digging about this guy, PT Barnum. You know, and I, there was actually a movie that came out recently, which it was a, it wasn't, it was a, uh, a musical, which I didn't know here. I have it here. The oh, greatest wow. showman. Huge. Right. Jackman. So Wolverine was also beat. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so me and my girlfriend watched this and, uh, I didn't know it was a musical. I thought it was going to be some type of like, uh, historical, you know, setting type, type movie, but it was, it was a musical. So it wasn't really something that I not, wanted to see. Well, you know, maybe but, you uh, ought to try it sometime. I was in, I was in a drama club in middle school and I, I agree. Okay. I wouldn't go and watch a, a, a play nowadays as my <laughs> taste either, but eh, you know, Hey, who knows? I heard that uh, the Shakespeare plays have a bunch of, uh, metaphysical and esoteric uh, stuff in them. Hint, hint, we might be talking about that on the show soon. But either way, interesting that they turn this into a, a musical. It's a sort of uh, right. common trope for propaganda to put a song, yeah, right, song right. behind something, behind an idea to make it stick in people's heads, you know? Right, right. And not, and not only that, but they actually had P.T. Barnum, you know, singing in the show. And as from what I, from all that I read, I don't think P.T. Barnum ever was, 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 was a singer or performer in that sense of the word. I think he might've, you know, been a good stage presence, but I don't think he was uh, dancing and singing like, uh, like this movie was showing, but yeah, yeah the movie was definitely <laughs> an embellishment of P.T. Barnum as a character. Cause right. even just having him as Hugh Jackman is like, right. Right. And the cast, I mean, the cast is, is you know, you got Zac Efron, you got Zendaya. I mean, if you look at an a, image of, uh, if you look at a photograph of P.T. Barnum, they ought to have like someone like Paul Giamatti or like Danny DeVito play P.T. Barnum, you know, this not is, Hugh Jackman. Look at him. <laughs> this is P.T. Barnum, right. And this is who they have here playing P.T. Barnum. But, you know, P.T. Barnum was a, was a man known for, for hoaxes. So I'm sure he wouldn't have mind being played. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, he loved exaggerations. <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. He, he would have uh, casted someone uh, handsomer than Hugh Jackman. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is, uh, right, right. this is, is quite a man, you know, lives up to, you know, this sort of huge persona in a bunch of ways because 
he was an inventor too. Like a lot of the stuff he did was kind of uh, next level he, for his time. So let's let's, he, let's get he was into a mayor it. as well. In his he was the mayor of Bridgeport as well, and so we'll we'll uh, we'll touch on that a bit. Actually, I don't think I I don't think I got into that in this in this, but I was I was reading about that. So cool. Just yeah. So I mean, he was I think he was the mayor for like a year or something like that, but still. Um, okay, so here I have, if we look in the settling, the, the eight families that perma, uh, that settled Danbury, we have a Thomas Barnum and we have a Thomas Taylor, okay? And so I, I did a little digging of, of their, you know, uh, of their lineages, and, and it turns out he's connected to both of them, which I thought was interesting. And I actually, uh, I think... Uh, I'm sorry, I forget your name, uh, bro. Uh, Roman. Roman. Yeah, Roman. Uh, yes. you, touched, you touched on uh, something a bit deep, a bit farther back than just the settlement of Danbury, but I think it was the settle, the first settlers of Connecticut, or or. Uh, mm, yeah, Roman brought up he was the fact that he to, was related to some of the founding members of the Connecticut colony. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which I, which was spot on with what I had, you know. Uh, thought I had stumbled upon with, mm. with this here. So I thought that that was interesting. So he's, you know, I mean, there, I think there's, I mean, this is 1685, right? So this is, he was born in 1810. So this is a good, you know, 100, 130 years yeah. before he, he's, he's sort of in this sort of upper crust, you know, East right, Coast establishment right. network of families, the first to settle types. Right, right. And I thought this was uh, funny here. Uh, let's see. They asked the town to be named Swampfield, the original inhabitants, because they had to pick a name for Danbury. But uh, I guess instead, Governor Robert Treat chose to call it Danbury after a village in his native Essex County, England, which I couldn't really find any uh, like source or anything for that. But I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't know where the name Danbury really came from, but then I've also heard of, you know, some stuff you guys are talking about uh, in relation to other city names in different places in America with the Dane, the tribe of the tribe of Dan. The tribe and, of Danbury. You know what, <laughs> I thought maybe there would be a connection there. I didn't really find anything. Well, but. well you know what's synchronistic? My, uh, my mother actually worked on uh, Robert Treat Farm, which is in our hometown, and Robert oh, okay. Treat owned the land. Obviously, she's not old enough to have worked <laughs> on his actual farm, but uh, the, right, the right. land that was once his farm. And yeah, he was a governor, and that was common. They named, they weren't creative, so they just right, named right. stuff I imagine. That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I, yeah, uh, and that's why you see it all over new england you know english yep. names for places like you right, know, right. sussex glastonbury mm. i mean hartford yeah, is the, named after the, hartfordshire so that's the, right, that's the right. capital bury just quite literally means like place or you mm. know Right, like right. town. So, yeah. yeah, I am curious, actually. That'd be kind of a cool little well, bit of a deeper dive. Maybe we'll do off Roman, the air. It could be connected yeah. to our buddy uh, Dan, Donunaki, who's obsessed <laughs> with the tribe of Dan, right? I mean, naturally so. Maybe it has something to yeah. do with the Danes. Like, maybe Danbury in England was where the Danes and the tribe of Dan potentially. Right, that's that's kind of what I was 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 thinking about, too, trying to go farther back. It, it is It does get mucky what the farther back you get, as I'm sure you guys know. Especially in swamp field <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right yes <laughs> yeah i would have loved to bet to grow up in a place called swamp field that would have been great well but and i even remember to florida i remember something like uh, a, a folk tale we read in one of our connecticut folktale books that pt barnum or somebody in bethel i think it was pt barnum 
inherited all this land or his grandfather was a trickster or something like mm. that and told him, you know, oh, you, we, we are giving you all this land like 30 miles oh, north, right? Yeah, yeah. right? And he, he hikes through all these swamps to get there yeah. and realizes that the land he inherited was a swamp. And he's like, <laughs> what the, what the F? I hope I'm not stepping on, you know, a slide no, no, no. that you have. No, I didn't, I didn't really get deep into that, but I'm kind of glad you, you put it that way because it does make me see it. Uh, well, and, and back then a lot of this area in Connecticut was, pretty swampy and not the best right, for right. farming. So. I mean, even to this day, the Danbury Fair Mall, which is where actually used to be the site of a, a big a big fair that uh, a big, I guess, I don't know if it's a state fair or city fair, I'm not sure, but it was a big fair that uh, I remember my mom actually said when she was younger, she would, they actually would, they would skip school sometimes to go to the fair and stuff like that. Right but um, it's actually built on top of like a swamp and it floods every so often. Like yeah. the mall where they built the fair, on t- uh, they built on top of the fairground. Oh yeah. I go out there sometimes. I love that yeah, yeah. Duluth trading company. Uh, I get mm-hmm. some pants from them, but anyway, oh, over there at the, uh, at the, uh, at the mall there. Yeah. Yeah. Across the street okay. from the mall, they have a, yeah, a, yeah. Cl- a clothes company. I like, but anyways, all right. So we got a little bit of one Oh one here on how he's connected to Danbury itself. That's interesting. <laughs> right. Right. And so, yeah, that's why that story that you actually brought up, actually, that makes sense. Cause if, if he was like inheriting the land of, of Danbury, which Bethel at the time was actually a part of Danbury, it wasn't its own uh, settlement yet at the time or its own town yet. Mm. Uh, at the time when P.T. Barnum was born. So he was actually born uh, in Danbury, technically. If you, mm. you know, So that's interesting. So, yes, um, I just kind of got some of this stuff from online here. We'll just pick out some stuff out of it. Um, we became personal friends with figures such as Abraham Lincoln, Queen Victoria of England, and Mark Twain. So, I mean, already <laughs> there. Already there. <laughs> right. Already there. I mean that's that's three of the most you know important people in our modern history in in, in some senses right i mean yeah, and he's, and he's buddy buddy with them right yeah, right yeah. um so i thought you know just picking out some stuff from there we'll, we'll, we'll get into some some more stuff uh, later on um and then i guess uh, historian irving wallace noted that as a showman barnum gave new york and then america and finally the world the gift of enjoyment so he was really propped up as like this this guy who's bringing entertainment, I guess, the, the idea of entertainment to, you know, I guess people that didn't really have an idea of what, you know, entertainment was, at least not the way that P.T. Barnum uh, could entertain mm. for sure. So because uh, he was into some pretty, just pretty weird stuff, you know, I guess weirder, it'd be much weirder nowadays, I guess you could say, but in their day it was kind of like... You know, he was the, I think he was the, uh, what do you call it? The father of, you know, freak shows and this kind of idea of, because also in his day, uh, as we'll get to in a bit, uh, like a museum wasn't what we think of as a museum today, where it's, you know, it's fine art and it's like a a high class establishment, at least from what I understood. I mean, there, his um, museums were, were essentially like half fine arts exhibits and, and things of that nature. And then like half, you know, freak show. And it was all in one building and there was you know, the lots of crazy. Man. 
Yeah, like a curiosity shop. Right, actually. right. But but it yeah. was but it was called a museum at the time, right? And so our idea of a museum, but it makes sense and it's in the word right there. It's it's a museum, right? It's it's for for amusement. Yeah. It's for huh. Yeah. Whereas nowadays we kind of we, we have a different idea of what a museum is, at least in my in my opinion. <clears throat> um so yeah, so this actually mentions uh I don't know if I have the the quote that you were talking about, but his grandfather would go farther, wait longer, work harder, and contrive deeper to carry out a practical joke than for anything else under heaven. And then that kind of touches on, you know, what, what you brought up there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. he pretty, was, uh, right. It's an, interest, it's an interesting, uh, uh, like, you know, fact or whatever it is. Well, yeah, he was an that apple is... that didn't fall far from the tree, right? Telling right, tall right. tales and being a joker that was in his nature, right? So right. back then, you know, they didn't have, uh, comedians, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, being right. a joker was like more of a, uh, a personality trait than like a career. So he kind of right. made, made a career out of something that was was uh exactly like more of a personality trait which and is that, yeah huh. yeah that's that's kind of the uh like the i don't know how to put it but you know some people might say pt barnum was a, a great guy and some people might say he was a terrible guy because you know he he would give these these freaks right he would give these freaks a platform and and a, a chance to get paid and make a and make a buck off of their you know their whatever it is their you know the thing that makes them different yeah. And so, but, but, but at the same time, right. Like there's guys like uh, Tom thumb, as you mentioned uh, before, Mark, your buddy, Tom thumb, mm. uh, he became famous. You know I mean? This guy became like one of the world's first, I mean, or at least America's first celebrities, you know? And it was, uh, so I think it's interesting, you know, it depends which, which way you look at it. He could be either this really, you know, great guy helping out people, or he could be, you know, kind of this guy that's kind of taking advantage of these people's disabilities or, you know, stuff like that, or even, uh, you know, taking advantage of animals and kind of keeping them under not so great conditions or places that they're not really supposed to be, such as inside of buildings in Manhattan. But we'll get to that in a bit. So yeah, he was an entrepreneur from an early age. Uh, it says he sold snacks, cherry rum, stuff things uh at his local gatherings by the age 12 he had enough money to purchase his own livestock and he had uh, his own general store small lottery and uh even his own newspaper called the herald of freedom which actually i think okay yeah actually i, I we didn't need to see that slide there but i kind of split it up here so yeah uh, this is like a little clipping from his newspaper i didn't i i found uh, like a, one thing online of you know, his, his paper, which was like three or four pages long. It was, I didn't, I kind of skimmed through it. It wasn't anything that stood out to me, but I don't always maybe have the best eye for maybe like hidden things that sometimes that you guys have that I, that, you know, kind of, uh, oh, there's no need I'm to, there's no need to discount <laughs> yourself. No, it's, it's, oh, no. it's, you know, I'm new it's to something this, you, so. yeah, it's something you, you start to get better out over time. So that's fine right, to, right. to say. He that. definitely loved writing. He was always, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, he wrote his own autobiography and so. Oh, and he revised it many funny. times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is a little clipping, uh, it's a little lottery news here. Um, WMS Taylor, probably someone related to him. I'm not sure. You know, but I would imagine that the Taylor family was, you know, 
they were big in Danbury, you know, they were the kind of the, the head honchos from the, from the sound of it. We had several businesses over the years. Uh, the, okay. The Herald of Freedom. Right. And he actually, his editorials against the elders of local churches led to libel suits and a prosecution, which resulted in imprisonment for two months, which he actually served in Danbury, which is another, uh, you know, something that interested me. But, um, but he became a champion of the liberal movement upon his release. Uh, he sold the store in 1834. So yeah, this is just a little, uh, you know, old map of Danbury picture of the, the police station. I thought that was cool because it's actually, it's not a police station anymore. And it's, and it's actually just known as like the old jail in, in town. It's kind of like a historic building. It's not really used for anything. It's a pretty cool, uh, looking building with the Mansfield roof and, you know, maybe some, some more history there, but there's a few, you could see even in Danbury, there's a few uh, of the larger cathedral type buildings that you'll get in Danbury. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. So we first rose to prominence by engineering a famous hoax. First of many. What? <laughs> yes. So, uh, right. So he, he launched his career in entertainment by purchasing Joyce Heth, a blind slave touted as being the 161 year old former nurse of George Washington. <laughs> um, after billing Heth as the most astonishing, interesting curiosity in the world, Barnum put her on display in New York and took her on a small tour of New England. Visitors lined up to gawk at her withered body and hear her tales of dear little George. And Barnum helped fuel popular interest by spreading a rumor that she was actually an automaton controlled by a ventriloquist. The truth about Heth didn't emerge until after her death in 1836. Wow. During a public autopsy staged by Barnum at the price of 50 cents for admission, it was revealed that she was most likely no older than 80. So, I mean, they were doing a public autopsy and for, for, for entertainment. I mean, this is... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would, if I would, uh, you wouldn't that'd attend be something that? I want to see, but yeah, I don't know if I'd be there. Well, that's kind of like cents. that weird body exhibit they have in New York city. Right. The, I think that came from China that where they have like all the different layers of the body, you know? Oh, uh, dude, what is this? I've, I've never heard of oh, this. Oh, wow. Yeah. This well, maybe, museum? yeah, maybe a different topic for a yeah, different sure, day, sure, but sure. yeah, that's something, uh, I, I learned about that there's like this bodies museum. I think it's, you know, uh, a gallery in a museum and they take it, they, you know, it's a traveling exhibit. There it is. Oh, yeah. okay. Tara, yeah. see, this is why Tara's here. She's, <laughs> she fills in all the, uh, the blanks. Much thing. more memory has a better memory than I for sure. So. <laughs> but, uh, wow. This woman is very interesting looking. I I'm curious, yeah. like if she was, uh, like a native American or something based on her skin color, or if the artist was just trying to like portray like weathered skin by coloring her that way. Like mm -hmm. what, what is there any I information think, about her? The story is, Oh, she's uh, a slave. Well then, yeah, maybe she right. is I, African American. It might even be in here. Um, I think they say she was born in Africa though, you know, like huh. the, Oh wait, Interesting. here. Joyce Hess was born in the year 16. Uh, I don't think it says where. I do remember reading where, well, I, but it wasn't. Uh, I don't think they said she was Native American. But with you know a lot of stuff that's coming out now and and kind of the new, the new. Uh, I don't want to say movement, but you know you know the kind of new uh, awakening. I guess you could say we we know and and we know that natives 
could be anybody, right? It could be anybody. Well, yeah, there were Native Americans who were taken as <clears throat> slaves too. I just didn't. But I didn't see the word slave. I just saw the word nurse. But, yeah, I uh, don't know if they. I think yeah, I don't know if they ever like say she was a slave. Oh um, yeah, it says it up at the top. I oh just, yeah, I'm sorry. I right, right, right. It, but either way, slave, interesting right, right. stuff. Yeah, and and then uh, I've, there's also you know tales of natives living you know a long time. So you know I don't think that it would be impossible for someone to be 161. Although it does sound like it, you know I don't think that we can say it's impossible. Hmm. And then also I thought this was interesting. The, there was a there was a rumor that she was actually an automaton controlled by a ventriloquist. I mean I don't. That seems like a strange rumor to to start, but. I guess that's just it's just the kind of guy he was. Um, so here, uh, so hey, Bar- Barnum didn't go into the circus business until relatively later in life, which a lot of people probably don't know because we just know him as you know the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Which again, he wasn't really even you know I think he might have been alive for maybe like five to ten years or so when they started to do the circus. But I mean, most of that you know circus you know Barnum and Bailey Circus took off around uh, the time after he was you know he was gone um so yeah he was uh known for his traveling three ring circuses but he didn't make his first four rays under the big top until he was 60 years old right so he was almost at modern retirement age before he actually started you know this this these circuses uh before then he was better known as the owner of the manhattan-based american museum a sprawling collection of historical artifacts aquariums animal menageries, zoological curiosities, and freak shows. Some of the museum's most notable exhibits included uh, Tom, Tom Thumb, General Tom Thumb, a child dwarf who Barnum famously brought to audience with Queen Victoria of Britain, and the Fiji mermaid, which was actually the upper half of a monkey sewn to the bottom of a fish. Yikes. Barnum only launched his traveling circus after his museum was twice destroyed by fire. He later teamed with his famed partner, James Bailey, in 1881 right so that's when they started their the, the the modern greatest show on earth what we come to know but yeah so a lot a lot there right i mean we've got tom thumb child dwarf i mean we've got the fiji mermaid which i have uh pictured here mm-hmm. and i found interesting that i mean I, I found these other clippings of fiji mermaids so i think that this was kind of like the lore of the time Right. And then, but this is kind of the, the artifact that we're left with today. So, I mean, I don't know hmm. if later in his life, they kind of, maybe they actually did have mermaids. Right. But it, it, they kind of used this as a way to like dispel that, but you know, yeah. that's just me being speculative and I don't really have any, uh, really any evidence for that, but you know, we kind of have this as the idea of a Fiji mermaid. And then we read about, Fiji mermaid with Barnum, but it's, it's, it's this, it's a thing, something looking kind of like this and there's photos of it, but I didn't really want to include it. Cause it's, it's kind of, it's just kind of weird looking and it's a corpse sewn together with, you know, a fishtail. It's kind of, it's not the best looking, uh, you know, thing to share, I would say, but, hmm. um, but yeah. Oh, and also with the fires, this man is, this man has rings of fire uh, all over him. Buildings are burning down, like, all over him. So we'll get into that. So um, we'll, 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 we'll go here, okay? So 
John Scudder originally established his American Museum on the second floor of New York City Alm House in 1810. So uh, P.T. Barnum would, would buy this museum here that you'll see on, pictured on the right um, from John Scudder, which this was his original museum. So he kind of, John Scudder moved his museum from this building into this building, which would then become uh, P.T. Barnum's museum, famed museum that would burn down twice. Um Let's see. I think I have some interesting stuff here. Um, they just they decided to sell in 1841. Um, so yeah, Barnum had a year of mixed success with his first variety troupe called Barnum's Grand Scientific and Musical Theater, uh, followed by the Panic of 1837 and three years of difficult circumstances. I, I I did read what this was, but I do forget what the Panic of 1837 is. So if you know, uh, you could chime in. But I think it was. Uh, I think it was like there were fires sweeping through New York City at the time. I think that's that's what the panic, panic of eighteen thirty seven was a financial that- crisis in the United States that okay. touched off a Perfect. major depression, Perfect. which lasted until the mid eighteen forties. So, okay, right. So he was having financial troubles, I guess, at yeah. this time. And then somehow, while having financial troubles, he purchased Scudder's American Museum. He actually purchased it by. Uh, I think he. He, he had like a down payment or some type of like, he didn't buy it outright. You know, he kind of had like a deal. He made a deal with the, uh, the building owner, uh, the scutters here to, to, you know, transfer ownership through over like a period of time. So he could be, you know, pay off. I'm not exactly sure what the, you know, the terms of the deal were, but, uh, it was something along those lines. Um, so then that's the building you see here. Uh, he improved the attraction, upgrading the building and adding exhibits, and renamed it Barnum's American Museum. Became a popular showplace. Um, let's see. The roof was transformed to a strolling garden with a view of the city, where he launched hot air balloon rides daily. A changing series of live acts and curiosities were added to the exhibits of stuffed animals, including albinos, giants, little people, jugglers, magicians, exotic women detailed models of cities and famous battles and a menagerie of animals. So, I mean, nothing like a museum (laughs) that we, you know, that we see today. Right. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't think anything in here, maybe detailed models of cities (laughs) or famous battles that that might be what we'd see, but you know, so, I mean, completely different idea of museum in in this day. And if you guys want to chime in and, and stop me, just, uh, or say anything, let me know. That's interesting. Keep going. All right. So, uh, okay. So visiting his home state of Connecticut on a cold November night in 1842, the great showman Phineas T. Barnum thought to track down an amazingly small child he had heard about Barnum, who already employed several giants at his famed American museum in New York city, recognized the value of young Stratton. The showman made a deal with the boy's father, a local carpenter to pay $3 a week to exhibit young Charles in New York. He then hurried back to New York City to begin promoting his new discovery. All right, so Stratton is Charles Stratton, a.k.a. Tom Thumb, General Tom Thumb. So uh, Charles Stratton was born in Bridgeport, son of a carpenter, uh, who in turn was the son of, uh, I'm not sure this is, oh, so Sherwood married his first cousin, sorry. So actually we see some... um, some incest, you know, in this family, and that might contribute to, you know, the, 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 
the symptom of dwarfism, right? I think this is, this is known today, right? That incest, uh, breeds kind of genetic, uh, what's the word? Mutations, you know? So, I mean, I thought that was interesting that we see some, uh, a little bit of incest in, in his lineage. Um, and his maternal and paternal grandmothers, Amy and Marianne Sharp, were stated to be small twin girls born on July 11th, 1781 in Oxford, New Haven, Connecticut, your, your neck of the woods there, Mark. Um, his parents were of medium height. He was a relatively large baby, which is interesting. Um, he said, uh, let's see, he grew normally for the first six months of his life at which point he was 25 inches tall and 15 pounds. Then he suddenly stopped growing. His parents became concerned when after his first birthday, they noticed he had not grown at all in the previous six months. They showed him to their doctor who said there was little chance Charles would ever reach normal. Charles would ever reach normal height. Um, by late 1842, Stratton had only grown one inch from when he was six months old and had not gained any weight. Apart from this, he was completely normal, healthy child with several siblings who were of average size. His body was proportionate and functional. So he seen, his growth seems to have been stunted. It doesn't, maybe, maybe he wasn't even, you know, uh, a dwarf in, in the modern, uh, uh, modern sense, you know, because they say that his, you know, his extremities were, were his proportions were normal. So, um, you know, maybe something happened there. I don't know in his childhood, maybe, you know, he just, I don't know. Some people just stop growing. Right. I don't know. I've never, I don't know anyone like Tom Thumb, but, uh, I'll tell you what, so, yeah, if he was go. normal size, he'd have a huge head based on <laughs> proportions, but, uh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so when, uh, Charlie, Charles Stratton and his mother moved into an apartment in the museum building and Barnum began teaching the boy how to perform. So he's basically, uh, you know, just teaching this, this kid, everything. And, and the weird thing about Tom Thumb is, uh, his age is often disputed, you know? I mean, I guess because maybe they, they thought he might've been too young to be, you know, performing and making money that maybe people would dispute saying, Oh, PT Barnum shouldn't have done this. He's a child. Um, I don't know, but let's see. Uh, who was it? I, I think I have his no, sorry. Sorry. All right. He moved into an apartment museum building. Uh, okay. Barnum recalled him as an app student with a great deal of uh, native talent and a keen sense of the ludicrous. Young Charlie Stratton seemed to love performing. The, bo the boy and Barnum forged a close friendship that uh, lasted many years. General Tom Thumb's shows were a sensation in New York City. The boy would appear on stage in various costumes, playing the part of Napoleon, a Scottish Highlander, and other characters. Barnum himself would appear on stage uh, as a straight man while the general would crack jokes. Before long, Barnum was paying the Strattons $50 a week, an enormous salary for the 1840s. Right, so here we see you know, his, his kind of, uh, his charity or his, you know, his, his contribution to, you know, while taking advantage of someone with, you know, short stature and, and he's making him into a star essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and BT Barnum was paying him $50 a week, but 
I mean, PC Barnum is probably making 10 times that, you know, maybe more because we'll, we'll see. I think I touched on it with one of his other uh, performers that he actually, um, he, he's making, you know, about 90% of, of the money oftentimes with, with these shows that he puts on, which makes sense. I mean, right. He's PT Barnum. He's the, the king of the king of hoaxes. Uh, so uh, when six-year-old, 63-centimeter-tall Charles Stratton arrived at Buckingham Palace. So, yeah, so they're saying he's six years old at this time, right, when he meets uh, the Queen. In 1844, with his showman P.T. Barnum, it marked the beginning of Queen Victoria's obsession with the world of circus freaks. Stratton, whose stage name was Gen- General Tom Thumb, mesmerized the Queen, performing tricks and skits. He even had a ceremonial sword battle with her royal spaniel. The royal crowd, which included Prince Albert, thought it was hilarious. Apparently, the room was in hysterics. Uh, Queen Victoria was so taken with Tom, she wrote about him in her diaries and invited him, along with other circus freaks, to several more meetings that year. All right, so he's so so they've got some pretty some pretty good friends, I would say, between P.T. Barnum and uh, and Tom Thumb here. Uh, many of the freak performers became instant celebrities. The word, the word first entered the Oxford English Dictionary in 1849, a few years after Tom Thumb rose to prominence as one of the world's first international celebrities. He was only four years old when he was discovered and thrust onto the stage, but P.T. Barnum passed him off as being several years older. See, so we have that kind of uh, dispute with his, with his age there. And it's hard to really to knock down because, you know, he's, he's a, he's a small person. So it's, it's hard to, to get, you know, to, to tell, I guess, the stages of his, his development, I would say. Mm. So there's a dispute with that. Um, in, in the early 1860s, General Tom Thumb met a small woman who was also in Barnum's employee, Lavinia Warren, and the two became engaged. Barnum, of course, promoted their wedding which was held on February 10th, 1863 at Grace Church, an elegant Episcopal cathedral at the corner of Broadway and 10th Street in New York City. Right. So their their marriage was a, you know, I mean, was was a way for P.T. Barnum to, you know, I guess help spread spread their fame and, and doing so, you know, lining his pockets. Right. And so this is just the the church, Grace Church here. It's a incredible uh cathedral that we have here that it's kind of uh overlooked in the city i would say i mean it's kind of tucked away in a in a behind you know a lot of tall buildings now i mean this picture is i'm not sure exactly what year it's from but yeah anyways on uh, on his 13th birthday stratton stood exactly two feet uh oh stratton became a freemason on october 3rd 1862 Stratton, by now two feet, 11 inches tall, was initiated to be a Freemason alongside a man who was six foot three. So our, our buddy Tom Thumb uh, became a Freemason, I think, uh, yeah, 21st birthday, right? So again, we see kind of this, and I think, and I think P.T. Barnum was a, was connected with the Odd Fellows. It's kind of hard to find, um, it's kind of hard to find, but I believe that there was there was a uh, an article I read where P.T. Barnum is connected to the Odd Fellows, or, or you know, likely a part a part of the Odd Fellows. Hmm. And then here, oh, this is just this is his uh, this is Tom Thumb's grave here at uh, I forget the name of the graveyard in, in Golden Hill Cemetery. 
Uh, I think it's another one. It's, it's, I have it here. It's, it's in one of the slides. It's, it's toward the end. Uh, because P.T. Barnum actually founded the, the cemetery, strangely enough. Huh. But yeah, I just thought, uh, you know, this is something to include here. Maybe, uh, oh, I see. I'm actually going like this. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah, Tom Thumb. You guys, what do you, you guys have any thoughts about, about Tom Thumb here? It's fascinating. I mean, I, I'm kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just nowadays it's like, we seem to have so much of this in our culture that it's not even really astounding at all. But mm -hmm. I guess maybe back then people had only seen other average height individuals. So, right, right. You know, it just compared to the Fiji mermaid, I mean, Tom Thumb is kind <laughs> of an afterthought. It is interesting that he was uh, a Freemason, but I, that's everybody was. Back right, then. right. I agree. Sure. Especially, you know, someone like him was probably, you know, I don't want to say manipulated, but he was uh, for sure manipulated by P.T. Barnum. But, you know, with joining the Freemasons probably was, uh, you know, kind of like a by association type of thing. I imagine he was, you know, they were friends with the royalty, too. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many connections that I, I really don't even probably touch on on half of them. I mean, there's so much stuff that's even coming to my mind as I'm as I'm just now representing this. Um, but yeah, so all right, so we'll move on to the residence of Mr. Barnum, the, the the first the first house that he built, the first mansion that he built. So Iranistan was a Moorish revival mansion in Bridgeport, Connecticut, commissioned by P.T. Barnum in 1848. It was designed by a Bohemian-American architect, Leopold Eidlitz. At, uh, at this beautiful country seat, Barnum played host to such famous contemporaries as the Hutchison family singers, Matthew Arnold, George Armstrong, Custer, Horace Greeley, and Mark Twain. <clears throat> the grandiose structure survived only a decade before being destroyed by fire in 1857. It was one of five such fires in the showman's life that burned to the ground all his accomplishments. All right. So I got a few. There's there are no uh, there are no photographs of this of this building. Um, there's and and you'll see I actually have a picture of the the only thing that survived uh, the fire. So we'll get to that. I think it's down here. So this is just a few different uh, depictions. I mean, uh, if you told if you asked me where this was, I I wouldn't I wouldn't guess uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, but <laughs> but is it still there? It no, it burned down oh. nine years. It burned down nine years after uh, it was completed. So it only it lasted from eighteen forty eight to eighteen fifty seven. So it didn't even make it. It didn't even make it ten years. Yeah. A building like this burned down in nine years. No tragedy. So here's another. This is a this is a good one. This is a hard to find photo. I forget exactly where I got it, but uh, you kind of could see because some of these aren't you know the colors aren't great on some of these, but this one here you can really see the colors on the dome. Uh, so this watercolor drawing of Barnum's first Bridgeport mansion, Iranistan's a rare view since no photographs are known to exist. Sadly, the exotic and lavishly decorated structure only lasted a decade. 
It burns to the ground in December of 1857. The landscape surroundings featured a greenhouse, stables, a carriage house, and a building to pump water to the house, a remarkably early example of indoor plumbing. Right, so, I mean, it's it seems like a, a building out of place in, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, here I have just some clippings of different uh, articles. So the stables, conservatories, and outbuildings were described as perfect in their kind, set off by specimen trees, fountains, urns, and statuary. The architectural masterpiece, so unique for its time, had a tragically short life, destroyed by fire in 1857. Uh, though, some old, though some pictures and furniture were salvaged, its outbuildings and grounds were still intact. Barnum decided not to rebuild on the site of his former masterpiece, turning his attentions elsewhere. So this here is the, the, the sole surviving artifact of, of the burning of uh, Iranistan. But, uh, but I think, oh, all right. So here, right. So here we actually have, this is in PT Barnum's book. He writes, uh, he writes about uh, the fire here. It's only two paragraphs. This is how, this is how much he had to write about this building here. I was staying at the Astor House in New York when on the morning of December 18, 1857, I received a telegram from my brother Philo F. Barnum dated at Bridgeport and informing me that Iranistan was, was burned to the ground that morning. The alarm was given at 11 o'clock on the night of the 17th and the fire burned till 1 o'clock on the morning of the 18th. My beautiful Iranistan was gone. This was not only a serious loss to my estate, for it had probably cost at least $150,000, but it was generally regarded as a public calamity. It was the only building in its peculiar, peculiar style of architecture of any pretension in America, and many persons visited Bridgeport every year expressly to see Iranistan. The insurance on the mansion had usually been about $62,000, but I had let some of the policies expire without renewing them. So at the time of the fire, there was only twenty, you know, twenty-eight thousand. So he basically is saying, you know, he lost a lot of money in this fire, which generally, you know, when in history when we see buildings burning, generally the, the, the property owners are are paid out from the insurance, paid out a lot from the insurance. But I guess he's saying because he let some policies expire or something that he didn't get any money from it. But I don't know. I don't know if I really believe that because this is P.T. Barnum writing this, right? And we know not everything he says is, is the whole truth. But I, I find it interesting that he writes, most of the furniture and pictures were saved generally in a damaged state. But uh, I watched a video. Um, they have, there's a P.T. Barnum museum, and they do like a YouTube series. And the curator of the museum was uh, was proudly you know, proudly declaring this as the only surviving piece from the fire and that nothing else survived. But P.T. Barnum writes in his own book that most of the furniture and pictures were saved generally in a damaged state. Mm -hmm. So I find that odd. Uh, also, this, this uh, artifact here was actually, apparently it was, uh, it was retrieved by one of the firefighters that was fighting the fire that day, and then it passed down through his family and then, someone in that family donated it back to the, to the museum. Um, that's the story of this piece here. And they say, now, what do you, what do you guys think that this, this 
you know, pieces made of. And I'll show you where it was on the the building here. Uh, it was a part it's... of the building? Yeah, it was it was like it was up here on made like out the of frame. Portland brownstone. Well, that's that's what I thought, right? That's what I that's what I would think. It kind of looks like that. But they say that this is made of wood. Hmm. They say that this is made of wood and it somehow sir, is the only thing that survived the fire. Okay. But if it was wood, wouldn't it wouldn't it have wouldn't it be less likely that it would survive the fire? It looks like a depiction of the green man. And not only that, right, it's just a very uh right, it's a very interesting looking uh face. And and in New York, I mean, these are all over buildings in New York. So it's you know, and there's all types of like ghoul and goblin looking uh faces and kings and just all types of weird you know just stuff that doesn't looks like it doesn't belong you know that's the sense that i kind of get anyway um, odd spirit of iranistan yeah but but uh <laughs> yeah it's certainly weird yeah if i was a firefighter i'd try to act something like that off to save it if I saw it wasn't burnt yet, I mean, yeah, yeah, not totally far fetched to think someone might have gotten to it before it burned. I mean, it's a huge mansion, but yeah, I wonder even if maybe there was something outside of uh, P.T. Barnum's control that affected the destruction of his mansion. Maybe there were some like people in town who had a religious objection to something called mm. Ironistan in there, you know, maybe. In their town, maybe there were people yeah. who didn't like. This kind of reminds me of that. Don't know if you guys remember that movie, The Haunting, uh, with like Owen Wilson from like 1999, where they're in this house and they're doing this sleep experiment, and the house is haunted, and there's all these like faces that are in the wall, and the children are like stuck inside the walls of it. This kind of looks like a face that would be protruding yeah. from yeah. from that movie, and like I don't know, it kind of reminds me of something some P.T. Barnum house might be cursed with uh, <laughs> well, the wrongdoings of his past or something. It's, yeah, uh, I mean... Well, and with, uh, with that in mind, you know, uh, what were some of the highlights of P.T. Barnum's weirdness? Because we, we only have about 10 or 15 more minutes here. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I know you got um, a lot of slides. Let's see, I can, I can, yeah, I can like skip through some things here. Yeah, why don't um, you, why don't you get is, to maybe a few of the things that you would hate to leave out? Because I know there's probably tons of stuff uh, here. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I could just kind of briefly just go through some of these things. I kind of, some slides, like I did, most of these slides uh, in the beginning have a lot of words, but I, as I, as I went through, I kind of did more like, uh, hmm. just more like uh, pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, this um, tattooed so, I mean, gentleman. Are, we could just go through some, some quick, some, some different uh, performers, I guess you could say. So we have this guy here. Wow. Captain Constantinus, Con, Const, the Constantinus, Greek Albanian. the Greek Albanian tattooed from head to foot in Chinese Tartary as punishment for engaging in rebellion against the king. Hmm. So I, I thought this guy was, he looked pretty interesting. Chinese and I, Tartary. Wow. Yeah, what right. do you think of that? Crickets. There we right. go. No, that's uh, well. I mean, it fits into you know the whole World's Fair, right? And, right. The, and the specific Eastern type of architecture. Uh, I, I'd be really interested to see what uh, P.T. Barnum's book collection was. What his library? Yeah, was. yeah. But with all these fires that are associated mm -hmm. with his lavish building, down. yeah, it's like probably not going to find that list anytime soon. Unfortunately. Yeah. So we've got this guy here. 
uh, we've got this guy. He was uh, Senor Vivala. And uh, apparently this guy, he was from Europe, uh, or he was from uh, Italy, I'm sorry. And I guess he changed his name. Like, this is not his real name, but he would do, like, uh, he would spin discs and balance things. And he was he was this professor of equilibrium and plate dancing. So he would do, you know, all types of, I guess, different stuff. And this is a little clipping from a newspaper or something. Um, we could skip this because it's a little bit of reading. Um, this is just a little... They, they show his, his, I guess his show would come into town on four trains, like when they were doing their, their tour. I don't know. I guess this was like a thing. New and greatest show on coming by four special trains. Um, and so I guess they would, they would bring, like when they would go to a new, you know, new town to, and they would, they would tour across. I mean, I think they toured the entire, I mean, they toured Europe, they toured, you know the Americas. I mean, I, I don't think they got. I wouldn't to be South surprised America. if there was like some crosshairs between or a, a runnings and friend group with the Rockefeller family because <laughs> you know same area, mm-hmm. a little bit before you know a little bit time, before, right? But uh, but you know, anytime that you have the oil barons and the trains and right, you're right. running that much cargo on the train line, I mean, you right. got to be. You gotta be buddies with those guys. And I mean, he was transporting, I mean, animals. I mean, I mean, you know, obviously this is just a depiction, but he was bringing like basically a zoo, a, a circus act, like all these things bundled into one to, to these different, you know, different cities. Um, this is a, a, a little depiction from Barnum and Bailey circus. Just nothing uh, too interesting there. I mean, they got like lions and like exotic animals and, which kind of goes with, you know, I mean, you see all the guys who are working with the animals, they are, you know, they're kind of in like a spe- specific type of garb. You know, I don't know. I don't know. That could have just been the, the, the garb of the show, I guess. But we have Jenny Lynn. She was a singer. Uh, she wasn't nothing too crazy about her, but he helped. She was a European singer. He helped bring her to America, kind of do a tour of America to make uh, some money over here. Is a giantess and a swan. Uh, I don't remember getting too much about her, but I just kind of threw her in here because there are a few giants. Uh, you have these, the Quaker giant and giantess. Um, as exhibited at Barnum's American Museum. So he was uh, spraying at all types of people. There's another giant here. Wow. Colonel Goshen, the Palestine giant. Uh, his history is quite odd they say he was born in on isle of man i believe huh. and then he faked his own death to come to america and and become colonel goshen and faked his own death a right, giant right. that faked his own <laughs> right <laughs> to come to america and work for uh for pt barnum yeah do a little well, pt barnum had a uh quite the history of snatching his his axe right like denise uh like he created some lavish stories um, in order yeah, so, to get some of the acts onto his show. Yeah, there was a there was like a, a petrified giant that apparently existed, but and PT Barnum tried to buy it off of the uh, whoever else whoever there was the other person that owned it, and I guess they they didn't they didn't want to sell it to him, so he actually went and got his own <laughs> petrified giant custom made from uh, from some sculptor or something and was selling it off as, you know, a petrified giant. Uh, I didn't include that in here, but I did read about that. 
we just got some uh, clippings of Colonel Goshen. Uh, he's a native of Jerusalem and came to America in 1860. He's very, he very intelligent and speaks 20 different languages. Um, let's see. I, uh, I won't read this, but basically uh, he got a fight with one of the other one of the other showmen, I think, one of the other, you know, giants, I think maybe even working under P.T. Barnum. And they got in a fight and he showed his muscle. I, this is a little clipping of that. Uh, uh, yeah, we don't have to read through all that. The giant this is, married the spy. Did you, where, was that here? Yeah, the giant married the Worcester spy. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. Date. Interesting. Yeah, and I can send you guys the some of this if you want to read through some of the, the clippings. Um, we have this is just a picture of his museum here. You can see it's like the it's kind of like the center of attraction here. Most people are outside of it there. So P.T. Barnum and London shows combined. So he did you know he he always was collaborating with different I guess showmen or you know probably people connected to important people. Uh, we could. That. This is some of his other mansions that he's had. This is the Waldemere. Pretty cool building. I didn't get too much wow. on this, but it's a very, uh, very interesting, uh, you know, Victorian looking, looking building. Just a couple more photos here. It's another good one. So this is the building that they, apparently they built this. Uh, building on the same ground as as Waldemere, and then they would this the Waldemere would go on to get raised, as you see in this photo here. It's just that this new building is called the Marina, I think, or Marina. Um, can scroll through some of that. Another one of his fires, the burning of his winter quarters in Bridgeport. So I guess this is where he would like you know stash uh, stuff in the winter in the winter time, and you could see. I mean, just mayhem breaking out here. Uh, this is another building of his, Barnum Institute of Science and History, which is now today mm -hmm. the uh, the BT uh, uh, Barnum Museum in Bridgeport, which I which I definitely uh, I gotta go check out for sure. Yeah, you can see it if you're driving along I ninety five, which is a super po uh, you know well populated highway. Every you know I don't know how right, many right. thousands of people drive by this museum every day, but I remember seeing its orange roof uh, as you drive through Br Bridgeport and being like, "Whoa, that is not a normal building." <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, look at it. It's, it's yeah. That dome roof up at the top. I remember seeing that and thinking, yeah, thinking like. What could that Even here, be? I mean, you know, like, like the the base of it is very uh, like stone like. I don't know. It's mm, mm. it's an yeah. interesting build. Well, nowadays the bottom half kind of looks more modern, but yeah, the top right, is preserved right. for okay. sure. Yeah. Okay, here we have P.T. Barnum's Grand Roman Hippodrome. I think that this one. I think that I don't know. It's, I think this one is in New York, but I forget. I really forget. Isn't that what Hippodrome. we were talking about? Uh, didn't we mention that <clears throat> last episode, Roman? The, the Hippodrome, or was that? Am I thinking of the, the Aerodrome? That uh, yeah, I don't. I didn't bring this up. I think you're, uh, Chad, yeah. When when Chad brought up the aeroplanes or the um, yeah, he said there was like a horse racing. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. Right. So that must that probably was this. 
Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure exactly where this is. I could look. I could check, but it's it's a it's cool, uh, nonetheless, and very interesting. Yeah. Here, this is actually uh, interior view of the Hippo Theatron. This is like another one of these round buildings. We see a lot of these round buildings in old world architecture, right? Like these kind of uh, these odd looking. They don't really look like you know. I don't know. I don't really know what they look like, but they're they're distinct for sure. Um, Significant for uh, energy. Mm -hmm. uh, like Walt, Walt Disney made sure to have that be a theme in his Disney parks as well. You mm -hmm. know, the circle uh, or this different type of um, shapes that, that ebb and flow and have chief running through it and uh, feng shui aspects of right, right. energy flux and things like that. Yeah, and uh, actually P.T. Barnum, I forget the name of it, but he actually owned the, or I think he owned or I don't know if he just used the building. It's hard to it's hard to know a lot of times with him because he would own things for like a year and then sell it. But uh, he would uh, he owned the building that was there before uh, Madison Square Garden. It was called uh, P.T. Barnum something or other. You can you could look into that, though. He he owned the, the building that was there before Madison square garden, which was also like a circular building, which if people don't know the Madison square garden is like a circular uh, yeah. stadium, which not a square. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That might even be the same hippodrome. If I'm. Yeah. So, so this is it from the outside here, the hippo theatron. I didn't have a, it, it actually burned down as well. <laughs> I didn't even, uh, I don't think I even noticed that, but it opened. How many of his buildings have burned yeah, I mean, I, That I think is so it, crazy. In the, one of the articles up here that I clipped, it said five, but I, I think it's more than that. I really do. It's hard to say. I think it's more than five though. Cause I mean, certain ones like his museum burned down twice. Like the one uh, that was in New York, it burned down twice. Well, we were so. just talking with um, Dr. Bell, who was telling us that, you know, when they're fearsome of vampires, they would burn the hearts of them. You know, maybe they thought these buildings had vampiric uh, energies tied to it. They're like, kill the building. It's a vampire. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, no, no, that's a that's a that's a good uh, postulation for sure. I mean, you, you like I said, you guys are more into uh, a lot of this than I than I am. So. I love hearing your guys' perspective for sure. Um, I forget why. Why? Uh, oh yeah, okay. So Beardsley Zoo is a zoo in Bridgeport. That I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever been there, Mark, but I I know I went there uh, as like a field trip in, in school. Um, but I've been uh, there a lot. I've been yeah, there a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, probably it's a big, an unusual amount. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he kind of uh, he helped. He helped create that. Barnum would exercise his animals through the streets of Bridgeport, and people gathered in Beardsley Park to see zebras and camels walking by. Uh, so, yeah, basically, it seems like a lot of his animals kind of slowly over time, because, I mean, he had so many animals, um, y you know, so it seems like a lot of them over time were, like, transitioned into the into the zoo. Here we have uh, his elephant Jumbo is the mascot of Tufts University. Jumbo. Yeah. So uh, is is Tufts now? Tufts isn't a uh, isn't an Ivy League school, is it? Is Tufts an no. Ivy League? I'm not sure. I don't think they are. No. But they are a very prominent school in uh, in New York City. It's an Ivory school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, elephants. This is interesting. There was a story I heard about an elephant that got loose and 
it was at a time when some people in New England had never seen an elephant before, and these people in this town that the elephant escaped to were so freaked out, they thought this was some kind of sign from the devil, and they all chased this elephant down and shot the poor thing and realized sometime later that, oh, this was just like a circus animal, but... Um, yeah, at first they thought it was some kind of demon, like they'd never seen any, you know, zoology, zoo, they never, you know, there was no zoos or books right, about right. animals back then. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Actually, uh, in New York, I think there was a, I think when P.T. Barnum's museum was burning, he actually, actually he had whales, he had live whales in the museum what? in it. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. It's like, How did- I can't tell if they're just making up his whole life, you know, or if it's just really that unbelievable. But when the building burned, the uh, whales apparently boiled alive. <gasps> that is so yeah. fucked up. Dude. Yeah. And I think it was either tigers or lions were running the streets of New York. And I guess they had to shoot them. They had to shoot them down. That's I think there was New one York or two. Smells so bad. Cause they boiled these <laughs> whales back then. You can't get the stink out. Once you do that. <laughs> Jeez, bro. Not wow. to mention, like, what do you do with with the bodies? You know, I mean, I guess. Uh, Jeez, yeah. Well, they probably they got nice fresh boiled uh, whale there. I guess probably I don't made know. a lot of candles. That <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Barnum once used his circus animals to test the strength of the Brooklyn Bridge. So shortly after the Brooklyn Bridge opened in 1883, uh, rumor that it was structurally unsound sparked a human stampede that left a dozen people dead. So the bridge's own the bridge's owners had to previ- had previously turned down a five thousand dollar offer from Barnum to let him parade his circus animals across it as a publicity stunt, but they changed their minds after the incident. So on the night of May seventeenth, eighteen eighty four, he marched twenty one elephants and seventeen camels over the bridge from Manhattan to Brooklyn. The famous jumbo was part of a procession, as was Tog to Tog a white elephant Barnum had recently acquired from Thailand. So yeah, I mean, just just. And what if the bridge didn't hold and all the animals died, just like the people did? Like, and then they destroyed the the new bridge too. Yeah, they probably set that ablaze and start over. I don't know. Jeez. They're like, oh, okay, just rare animals. It's nothing. Should be okay. called Barnum and Bedlam's Circus. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was. So yeah, he also served as a politician. He was not a big drinker. Um, I think that's all I got in terms, I got a few more slides here from our photos. We just slide through and, and wind down here. But this is another one of his, uh, his, his mansions. This is called Lindencroft, the country seat of P.T. Barnum. And I believe it says Esquire. So I, I'm guessing he was a lawyer as well. I, I didn't, I didn't read this, but I believe that says P.T. Barnum Esquire, Bridgeport, Connecticut. So, or maybe he, I don't know if he was, I don't know. I didn't read about that though. Yeah, I don't know how mm-hmm. someone gets that title. I think I think Esquire is is for if you're if you're a lawyer, but um, yeah, here's like another depiction. I don't know what's going on in this. I, I forget where exactly I found this, is but I mean we have we have the fountain right, which is significant. I don't know what is going on up here. I don't fireworks. know if it's just an artist's depiction of like fireworks. It, that's kind of what it looks like to me. But it just says alarm at Lindencroft, which is odd. And there's people running kind of, I don't, I don't really know, you know, what's going on here in this depiction. I forget. I got it from a book though, from, but I forget exactly what, which one I could find it, but just not right now. 
And I guess this is my, I think this is my last slide here. Oh, no, this is the here. Here's a cemetery, Mountain, Mountain Grove. Grove. Okay. Yes. Right on. So, uh, yeah. yes. Mountain so he Grove was, he and, and uh, Grove Street Cemetery are, are both the, like, I think some of the oldest cemeteries in the country. It's interesting yeah, that they both yeah. have the word mm. Grove in them. I wonder... Mm. Mm-hmm. Right, a, right. Seems significant for sure. Yeah, he founded the cemetery. Like, <laughs> right, that he, he had to get credited for finding a cemetery as well. Like <laughs> everything. I mean, the other well, that was a think. new that was a new thing back then, Roman. I mean, like cemeteries were regarded as like something for royal people, and in America they didn't have cemeteries because people were typically buried behind a church. So when they decided yeah. to make cemeteries, it was like something that wealthy people did for their community of wealthy friends. Like, Hey, don't worry well guys, say. we don't have to get buried next to those smelly people. I just bought <laughs> us all this land and we can have our nice little statues and a fa- fancy gate to keep all the bad spirits uh, away from us while we're uh, decaying. Yeah, so. yes. Another vampiric connection, man. Yes. And that just, this is the last thing here. And, uh, we could wrap up, but uh, we don't have to read through all this. I just clipped it because I didn't know what to clip out. But so he actually, after P.T. Barnum died, uh, his his second wife Nancy Fish Barnum, which I didn't even touch on, but she kind of has a little. I think you actually touched on her her history a bit, Roman, uh, her 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 lineage. But um, yeah. So she she donated a coffin to, ooh, excuse me, his museum or his. Bridgeport uh, Scientific Society, sorry. So he died in 1891, so three years after his death. Um, oh, it says she was given, she was given the coffin lid. I'm sorry, I'm reading this all backwards. All but right. basically, <laughs> the the mummy that was inside of this uh, this coffin was not, did not match the 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 markings on the on the on the on the coffin. So, because they, and they didn't even realize this until, uh, mid two thousands here, 2006, uh, when di- diagnostic imaging was done in the mummified body, we learned then that the body is female and the woman was about 30 years of age, even though the coffin, uh, indicates that the person, you know, buried in the coffin is uh, a mummy called Paib, which I guess they got from reading the hieroglyphics on the coffin. So, uh, yeah, so there's this random uh, body who's, who's also quite old, I believe. Uh, the coffin turns out to be much more recent than, than the mummified woman who, who, who was in it. So the, co- the coffin was made about 2,500 years ago, and the woman was dated to about 4,000 years. So uh, I didn't look any more into that. But Sounds I thought like somebody that was... took took her out of another coffin, put her in right. that coffin, right. or that you know sarcophagus, and yeah, who, who knows? Maybe so that was some yeah. kind of grave robbery thing. I mean, maybe, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm maybe thinking some, some kind of, of ritual. Yeah, right, right. Huh. Some type of uh, you know intentional intentional thing, but and also mm-hmm. where you know because the body inside is 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 much older than I mean four thousand years. Old. I mean, where did they get this body, you know, and, and where did, well, maybe they wanted the, maybe they wanted the more valuable 4,000 year old sarcophagus. And they're like, here, let's take that one, replace it with this one. (laughs) And we got the old, that's not a, now you got two. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I've got two artifacts. 
but but yeah i think that's all i got here um yeah i think that's we, we touched on everything i mean like i said there's so much more that i didn't even you know i didn't even whisper so yeah. no worries I mean, there's a lot that's awesome man i'm really grateful that you put wow. that together and we appreciate you you sharing it with us uh what do you think, Roman, Tara, any final questions uh, about P.T. Barnum or, or just for Jason in general? So many, but I mean, like we said, it's like we could do this a, a whole uh, show on him for every day for a week. Yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> but no, man, you did a great job, dude. You, uh, oh, thank you. you held it down on the mic, brother, and much appreciado. Yeah, I was hoping you guys would hop in more, but I think I, I held my own there. No, no, yeah, no. you did real well. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Well, awesome, Jason. Thank you so much for, for being here and, and sharing uh, your little piece of the esoteric America that we're all a part of. And that's what this show is all about, is inviting folks like yourself who clearly enjoy the same things that we do uh, to come in and join in the conversation. So please do uh, some research on New York City, brother, since you're yeah, there. Yeah, I'm and, actually looking uh, into some things now. So yeah, actually today I was just at, uh, we, me and my girlfriend, uh, Savannah, we just went to there is a uh, Egyptian obelisk in mm. Central Park, so we oh, just yeah. visited. We just visited that today. It's called Cleopatra's cool Needle. It, yeah, right, right. it was actually in Egypt, and they've shipped yep. it over here. Yep. Well, let's on a boat. let's let's have you on the show when we get into New York City. You know, cool. I'm yeah, sure I'd love we'll, to. And we'll, I'm here, so you know, I can I can um, I can be around. Like we're like actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because you know, like I was saying, my girlfriend's a photographer and. Uh, you know, we kind of want to start creating like some little, a little side projects of our own yeah. about things that are, you know, around us. So yeah. Start documenting all those weird things you see walking around New York. I can say for sure. Every oh, yeah. time I go to New York, I see something new. Oh my God. My favorite is the Hermes on top of Grand Central. Oh As yeah. You leave Grand Central. You have this like huge statue of Hermes and there's all these things going yeah, Grand on. Grand Central is a, is a deeply occulted uh building i would say for sure i think we could do roman have you ever been to new york city i have yeah i've been to manhattan and brooklyn and have you seen grand central no no we were on tour with some uh some music stuff and so we were basically we were in and out unfortunately but i did go to some bodegas and i got the same that was called the weed wrap and it was (laughs) uh tabbouleh salad bacon chicken uh pesto chicken lettuce tomato avocado and a spinach wrap and i was like yeah i'll take that and it was, <laughs> it was actually really good so i've okay, always okay. yeah bodega from new york bodega to the bodegas is uh, definitely a good a good uh, option out here I'll take care of you at the bodegas. Well, every esoteric, you know, the esoteric America travel guide needs to have, you know, the uh, lowdown on where to eat. Because when you're traveling, you got to go nowhere to to eat. So, Roman, I'm so grateful to have you here to to make me uh, hungry over here. We'll be out here doing it for you, man. I I get all that field research for you, baby. Well, anyways, Jason, thanks, brother. We're going to let you go as we wrap cool, up man. this episode. And like I said, stay in touch. You have my yeah, uh, sure. my contacts, so we'll get in touch, and maybe we'll come down and visit you in New York sometime. Yeah, man, and I, I'm in Connecticut from time to time, too, so I'd cool. love to, to come out there. There's a lot more... Uh, well, a lot more woods and, yeah, and, and hiking in, and stuff like that. I know you guys are into that. So yeah, if you're ever near New about. Haven and anybody listening near New Haven, uh, 
get in touch. We're going to be doing another tour of New Haven this March on the 22nd. So okay, I'll have to I'll have to look. I have to tap into that. Yeah, because so. I can always take a train over there too. You know, for the day. It's, yeah, so it's super. Yeah, convenient. for sure. Well then, thanks, man. We'll talk to you cool, soon. Man. Thank you, guys. Cheers. All right. So that was PT Barnum. Thank you, Jason, for being here. And if you're listening and you want to be on the show, uh, put together a presentation, you know, uh, not so many slides, but, you know, between 10 and, and, and 20, <laughs> I think is good because, you know, you can only get into so much in, in an hour. And Jason was so kind to put together uh, so many slides that we had to ask him to, to brush through there those pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? Maybe we ought to do, um, just do a little wrap up here. Cause I really don't have the energy to get into the whole new Haven presentation that I have. I feel like it really deserves a, its own episode. We've already been going for an hour 20 here. It's getting kind of late over here, uh, on the yeah, East coast. Yeah, no, I feel it. You, you're over there in Hawaii. It's probably time for dinner right now. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm down to, uh, to, to keep it rolling for another, another episode. Uh, and I'll bring some more juice on and we can, we can wrap up the new Haven. Don't bring too much juice. Cause then I'm just going to keep getting delayed every, <laughs> I got the juice. Let me chop the final. <laughs> All right, to, perfect. Yeah. If you have more, sure. But, uh, but no, we're going to do, we're going to do one more. Hopefully Chad will be able to join us. Uh, we'll do one more on Connecticut and then we'll be, uh, it'll be up to the listeners. I think we have enough of an audience now to where we can ask them, uh, Put your vote in the comments. If you want us to talk about a place in Washington, if you want us to talk about a place in California, if you want to talk about a place in Hawaii, Roman will decide exactly which part because it's based on, you know, it's his choice essentially. But let's leave it to the audience to, to choose, yeah. right? Is that what you, you you're, you're down with that? I love that. I love so, so leave a comment in the in the YouTube video, Rockfin. If you're listening on a podcast app, just send us a Instagram message at Esoteric America. I know I haven't been posting much on the Esoteric America thing. Maybe I should give like Tara or you, Roman, a, a login so we can all be. Actually, you don't do Instagram, so I'll give uh, Tara hates and no maybe. Whatever, this is all, nobody needs to hear this. <laughs> Comment, send us a message, give us your vote. California, Washington, or Hawaii, where are we going to do next? I think that's a fun way to uh, keep the show going, and maybe we'll keep doing it that way. We'll pick a few options and let the audience vote where we uh, research into next, you know, because we're always getting messages from people who say, hey, I'm here, this is what's going on, uh, and we want to have as many of you on the show as possible. So, yeah, keep sending us messages, esotericamericapodcast at gmail.com. If you have some research, you want to send us an email, you could also get in touch with us via Instagram and if you just have a few things to say leave us a comment on YouTube that's always helpful uh, Roman of course is the co-host the uh, one of two halves of rising from the ashes mm -hmm. he's got a patreon where he puts all sorts of cool content out and not just bonus rising from the ashes stuff he's got his own episodes and him and I just recorded our, a swap cast together so 
take a look uh, at the Rising from the Ashes podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and, and check out our interview with Michael Bell. And Moon Mysteries with Kaylee Bracana. Oh, okay. uh, It's a show dedicated strictly to the moon. Um, we only have a few episodes up because we only do two a month. But, uh, but yeah, um, just had a great uh, chat with maria wheatley this morning who is she's been on megalithomania written many books about stonehenge and all the stuff but she talks about the celtic triple goddess and the moon veneration cults and stuff so yeah definitely check out the third and final podcast uh is called moon mysteries and definitely definitely give that some love because it's a new baby that that is just learning how to walk yeah all right Right on, awesome. Tara. You got anything you want to promote? Oh, we, we got our, well. We got our scene for all the Patreon listeners. Sign up for the My Family Thinks Some Crazy Patreon. Tara had a great idea uh, for all the Patreon folks. And Roman, you're welcome to participate. We'll send you the info. Uh, but we have a scene challenge for people. And if you partake in the challenge, if you uh, explore. Uh, join us on the 22nd of this month, February, because we're going to be doing a Zoom party. We'll all get together and share uh, the results of our explorations. So uh, I think that's a really fun way for us to all get together. And credit goes to Tara for that really awesome idea. So although she doesn't say it herself, uh, she has a bunch of really... I look forward to doing it. You actually got to get out of the house once in a while and you away from the computer so we can do that <laughs> yeah yeah that's for sure look at roman he's ready to be pulled away from <sighs> this waking world and go to sleep are you podcasting from a bed or a couch i've been struggling to figure that out this whole time <laughs> both man i've been going since like 9 a.m just on a pile so. of your stuff that you moved into this new place <laughs> Don't question. Don't, listen, don't dig too deep into it. All right? <laughs> I don't want to dig deeper than I'm already seeing. What I'm seeing exactly. is deep enough. What is this painting behind you? Is that just like a circle or? It's a beautiful blue swath of endless vast avoid of the tears from um, a specific deity that it lives within the Akashic. Wow. Because it's been changing shapes all night. I don't know if it's your camera, but it, at one point it looked like an astronaut helmet, and then another point it looked like a dirt bike helmet, and then at one point I thought it was a skull, and then I'm like, no, it's an alien head, and now you're yep. laying back. I can see the whole thing. I'm like, no, it's just a, it's just a stroke of, of blue paint with water mixed into it. That's real art, man. That is yeah. real art, man. <laughs> well, with that, folks, chase that real art in our esoteric america big shout out to jason thank you for joining us brother and uh shout out to you roman shout out to you tara shout and out to you mark big warm shout out to our friend chad who couldn't make it tonight and uh with that explore your esoteric america onward and upward thank you jesus <laughs>